Today's episode is presented by State Bags. State Bags makes beautiful, well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to give back to shift the narrative around social injustice. For every State Bag purchased, State hand delivers a backpack packed with essential tools for success to an American child in need. But their commitment goes beyond a simply a material donation. State Bags has your back. And part of that commitment is making a difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you are traveling next, State is offering our listeners 15% off with their next purchase at statebags.com using the code POD. That's 15% off your next purchase using the code POD. P-O-D at statebags.com. State Bags, they have your back. It's the Sea Barnacle Show. Once again, Switzerland Monroe and Ripley with an eye. Man, we just keep racking up these episodes, don't we, man? Number 14. 14. Shibberty jibbit. How do we get this far? Well, we stick true. That's all I have to say. How you doing, dude? I had a busy week as always, doing the good things. Being busy. How about you? Same old, same old. Keeping busy myself. That's good. Well, let's get right into it. So we have something Houston from culturemap.com by Eric Sandler. We have nine things to know. Houston food. So we start off with the popular Montrose gay bar, Guava Lamp, closed earlier this month. And then we have Poppies, which is described itself as Montrose's only Latin gay club, will make its debut on Wednesday, October 21st in the former Guava Lamp space. Uh, I've never been there, but... You know, if that's what this article is going to lead off on, I mean, it's pretty good. So let's hope that Poppies does a good job. I've never been to either to Guava or that location. I've been to, I think it's Pearl. Yeah. There. I've been there a couple of times. So I don't know. I don't know what their vibe is like. But, hey, if there's someone, something in the place of what was there before and people love it, hey, have fun. Indeed. So the next we have Bel Air Food Street has added a Korean corn dog concept, uh, two hand soul fresh corn dog. Soul as the city in South Korea comes from Californian, Hawaiian, Korean, all sorts of different ideas here. And so there's a picture here. And I don't know if you're looking at this. To me, it looks like ice cream on a stick with like a bunch of <laughs> toppings and it's supposed to be corn dog. Wow. Yeah, that does look kind of ice creamy. I mean, like it's one, got, the second one has Fritos on it. I don't know what kind of ice cream it had Fritos on it. But. I mean, Frito ice cream would be pretty good. But I mean, it looks like there's a bunch of different toppings and batters and, and sauces and whatnot. I mean, just check it out. It looks something amazing to be honest and that's two hands so all fresh corn dogs the yakitori gunso is now gunso japanese kitchen the restaurant closed its brick and mortar location and relocated to the third words blog it for blog it food hall where it's operating as a cloud kitchen that serves dishes such as ramen takiyaki karyages and japanese curry over rice i probably butchered that last word to be honest with you but it's good to see that restaurants are pivoting and trying to stay open. Yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do to survive out here, right? Shake Sack. Shake Sack has reopened its downtown location at 702 Main Street. The restaurant, which opened in June 2019, will operate Monday to Friday from 11 to 3.30 p.m. Shake Sack. 
Shake, 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 yeah. shake, 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 I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's not a place. <laughs> that's not a place for, the, for kids. <laughs> so another Houston concept is the toasted yolk. There's one in my old neighborhood. Uh, there's quite a few around the North Houston area. Uh, it continues to expand. Restaurant has now announced it signed leases for two new locations in League City and Bel Air. So good news to Toasted Yoke. I know some of the owners and managers of that restaurant chain. It's a very good place. I'd check it out. I'm going to take your word on it. I've never been there before. They do. They have this like uh, casserole, breakfast casserole, hash brown thing. It, I mean, it's 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 next level. They have really good food. They have good mimosas. Oh, shit. You had me at mimosas. I can yeah, get in they, there. They pour them up. So, I mean, they're pretty good. It's a really good one. So, Goodnight Hospitality announced two new hires at the Rose or the Rosy Cannonball. It's Mediterranean inspired Montrose restaurant. Bar manager Sarah Cowell, and she has a bunch of awards. And general manager Francis Holley. They have some pretty good experience there. Over so check out uh, Rosy Cannonball. And then Shaquille O'Neal dined at the Union Kitchen Memorial location. So if you ever want to go check out a pretty cool place. I want to eat how uh, Shaq eats. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a, he's a tech, he's from Texas. And so people like Texas stuff. Uh, my dad has a story of him. He, he visited, so he, cause he's from Kingville, which is down in South Texas. And apparently when he was a kid in high school, he was seven feet tall and he was destroying basketball rims, <laughs> even when he was a kid. Uh, it was so great to see that when he got older in the NBA and they had to change how they made the backboards because he kept breaking it out break. and breaking it. <laughs> and he freaking made NBA jam because of that. So here's another word I'll probably butcher. Pondy Cherry has opened its expanded patio, working with management to the Rive mixed-use complex. The Upper Kirby restaurant has claimed parking spaces and a wooden deck, so it looks like if you want to go to a nice place, go check them out. You ever eaten there before? I've never been there. It's, it is good. It's real good. Oh, man, they have so many different delicious things going on. It's kind of sort of... I remember getting uh, like some kebabs or some shit from there. The kebabs would be great right now. <laughs> Actually, that that would be good. I've had some good kebabs in a while. So, so why don't you tell me about this? Something else that's good. Japanese craft breweries are turning unsold beer into gin. Yeah, so we have to do a change of plans because originally, you know, the Olympics were going to be in Japan during the summer in Tokyo. Yeah. And there was supposed to be a whole lot of tourists that were going to come, but they had to change their plan because of COVID. So they had all this beer still. So what's going to happen over there is they're taking the unused beer. Yeah. And then they're using it and adding special flavor like juniper berries and things like that. And turning that into gin and then bottling it back up and then giving it back to the restaurants it's for free. Yeah, it's looking like something around 30% by volume is something where their losses are recording, which is, I mean, it's a huge margin for 30%. And so what they're doing is just essentially just trying to reclaim that revenue for the local bars and try to just boost the economy. Because the beer, beer can go bad. 
after yeah. a few months, but the gin is forever. So yeah, barley, re, uh, rye. I mean, wheat, all all sorts of different kind of like old school mashes. Honestly, that's kind of interesting. It's looking like uh, they're using some pretty uh, interesting ways to do this. Uh, they pretty much pour the beer into these giant copper kettles and then boil the alcohol with the other, like it says, Sancho peppers, lemons, mikan, which is Japanese oranges. And so it looks like they're doing what they can to make uh, make their profits back. I like it. I like I like the idea of them taking something that they would have that would have gone bad, and instead of letting it go to waste, turn it into something that people can use, and it doesn't have an expiration date. And the fact that they're giving it back to the people, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That, so it's saying twenty thousand liters of expiring Budweiser. They turned it into forty five hundred bottles of gin. Damn. And you said it was thirty percent? I mean, that's a pretty good that that's mean, a big yeah. jump from it being probably about four or five, maybe at the most ten and jumping. Damn. So the gin market's worth about two hundred and nine million and it's expected to grow by four percent. So if you like gin, unlike me, <laughs> you don't like gin. Go buy some Japanese gin. You don't think gin. the gin helps you win? No, it's too dry. I don't like it. It it's it makes me feel like it's robbing me of of, of like youth. of everything of the <laughs> of the nutrients of the moisture of every I, like I drink it and it, I, I don't know I don't know how Snoop Dogg did it with his juice but <laughs> the I, juice hydrates you man I just don't I don't I don't like gin it's I don't think it's good the only time I've ever liked gin is if you put a lot of lime and lemon in it and made like a gin and tonic yeah gin and tonic is good that's to get your demonic out there it's it's all right <laughs> i don't recommend gin i on the other hand can appreciate a nice gin i don't drink it all the time but sometimes you can make a nice martini i've never i I mean, I've tried like the martinis and I've tried the vodka and the gin martinis and I've had the gin and juices and the Bombay's and the blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, I just. Miles and beefy done. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just give me scotch, man. Hendrix. Oh, I like a good Hendrix gin. That's... Hendrix, you like Hendrix? Yeah. I've known a lot of people that like Hendrix. I just can't. I, I'm just not a, a big liquor guy. I'm a, I like beer and I like scotch and that's about it. Mm. I mean, I'll do vodka just because it doesn't taste like anything. But other than that, I'm just not a, I'm just not a liquor guy. Tastes like old potatoes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. What's this that you have over here about uh, an AMC? So, do you want an entire AMC theater by yourself? Well, hmm. guess what? The company is so desperate, you can get one for $99. Oh, shit. Wait. $99 to rent it out? Yeah, like the entire... Like, like not the the building, obviously, but the theater itself, which could hold, you know, anywhere between, like, 30 and 100 people, depending on the seating. So, it's like... You want the entire thing by yourself? $99. That'd be a cool date to stunt with. I'm like, hey, what's up, girl? 
I done rented out this whole theater for you. Just me and you. So it says up to 20 people for $99. And then if you want more other add-ons, it could go all the way up to $350. $99. Damn. That's not actually bad for 20 people. I mean, $350 for an entire theater. I mean, that's probably what that's, kids' parents pay for parties anyway. Yeah. That wouldn't be bad to have a birthday party with your fam. 20 people. You could spread out pretty good. Uh, you can get the, the, the snacks like popcorn, hot dogs, pickles, all that bullshit. AMC has just been bleeding money. I mean, even before COVID, AMC has been bleeding money. 1.2 billion losses in the quarter last year. Nine, uh, 941.5 million losses this year. I mean, it's just every year for AMC, they're just losing money because guess what? No one cares about movie theaters not, not like that. We're tired of getting overcharged. <laughs> tired of the Everything. overcharge. We're tired of like the $5 popcorn that costs like 20 cents to make like <laughs> and it's not even good pop that's a small a five dollar you must be talking about a small cause. that's what i'm saying because like what can i afford the 20 dollar popcorn <laughs> no so i have to get the five dollar eat it 20 minutes in and just be unsatisfied for the rest of the movie <laughs> so no yeah I, I remember this one time there's this this uh, girl that I was with. She had like brought in her own food, like sandwiches, food, <laughs> sodas, whatever. And she just walked straight up to the people and said, fuck you. And they're just like too scared to do anything about it. <laughs> and I was always, after that point, I was like, man, fuck movie theaters. <laughs> I've definitely done that as an, as an adult, sneak a flask into the movie theater. Well, that's one thing. She was, she had it like in her hands and everything. Oh, like, it was in her hand. Oh, shit. Yeah, she wasn't hiding. That it. was she ballsy. She literally said, fuck you to them. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it as a joke. It's literal. Like, well, I guess over is he. I, I think people, yeah. <laughs> she, she overread up. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, I literally witnessed that as a kid. I thought it was badass. They're still, AMC's closing. They don't have a clear solution. They really don't know what to do. And not only that, the movie makers and filmmakers, they don't want to license out to AMC. They want to just go direct to private. And they're also moving some movies back. Uh, what is that movie with the with James Bond? Whatever the fuck new movie with James they, Bond. So they they pushed it. Yeah, so they're pretty desperate at this point, and they're buying the rights to old movies and showing old movies be, just because they have nothing better to do. And plus, like you said, who really goes to the theater when we have all of these different types of streaming? services to be able to watch like recently uh prime video has been attracting me to finally start watching it again uh, yeah i watched this movie i guess this sort of is a horror because it started off horror at first but then it changed and kind of got more to psychological thriller type thing but uh this movie is called black box it actually has felicia richard in it yeah um, She's not playing a friendly housewife who's also a doctor at all. I mean, she's she's a doctor in the movie, but she's not she's not playing nice in this one. Um she's mysterious. And so the whole premise of the movie, without yeah. giving away you any serious details or spoiling it, is so there's a, a guy who gets into a crazy car accident and his wife dies and his 
So he is a crazy accident and then he can't remember. He ends up having uh, amnesia from the trauma. And so he goes to a doctor to help him remember his life and the things he used to do and his memories and get them together. And so he goes to through this experimental procedure with a doctor where he can go into his own consciousness and try to remember his issues and remember stuff to help him with that. And there's something sinister going on in his mind that's happening and he has to figure out how to avoid what's happening and get his memory back and deal with his daughter and shit like that. So the movie's a trip. It, it was in that vein, sort of. Yeah. Of It reminded me sort of of some stuff from that movie Get Out, but it wasn't just like that. You know, but it, it was enough to make it interesting. It wasn't the best movie in the world, but yeah. I don't regret sitting there and watching it. Well, that, that's good because I've never seen it, and I'm glad that you like it. I think it's new. It's some of that Blumhouse shit that they got on there where they have a bunch of different styles of movies and different takes on movies. A lot of them right now are horror. They have a whole Halloween section. And then also I saw uh, Borat too. Yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, I watched that yesterday. How um, was that? There, there, there was some parts I was like, "What in the fuck?" But overall, I thought it was funny, and it had some. Uh, it said a whole it had a, some good commentary as far as the world yeah. we're living in, and the fact that he was able to even do the the do the movie with everybody knowing who he is and yeah. the way our media is that can't keep their mouth shut and the fact that there was uh, COVID going on he still was able to make the movie during that time it says it speaks volume for what's going on but um, I think they probably want to get it out early before the yeah. election so it'll be more relevant just in case whatever happens and then but other than that I mean I thought it was funny I would proceed with caution watching it well yeah all of Sasha's movies are like that they're all like just mind fucks trying to get like (laughs) try to getting your attention in the most like weird and like strange ways honestly we have he's to blame for a lot of the weirdness now because like (laughs) you go back and watch Bruno or or Borat 1 or Ali G or all that kind of (laughs) stuff it's it's kind of all in the same vein it's it's really good I go like if you like British humor go and see Ollie G that shit is so funny like it's a he's like this British rapper who's terrible but he <laughs> thinks he's amazing and so it, it's 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 awesome Ollie G is great <laughs> that's where the Borat character came from originally was from yeah Ollie G show <laughs> yeah and so they, he had like a interview and, and show and and then he had Borat was a character on it <laughs> All, and Bruno is yeah. a character like yeah. all of his characters on it and that's what spun off into the movies yeah we got a visitor yeah. what a what a cute gigantic dog that's I like that dog. this is Yeti he's a dope go Argentino he's dead no star he's so beautiful and so nice how yeah. are you huh <laughs> <laughs> Cool, that was a great visitor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> thank our special guest for, <laughs> for coming in today and peeking his head in, gracing us with his presence. Um, I guess we'll be back after this break. Are you the only stoner left in your friends group? 
Do all your buddies have kids and wives and jobs? Have we got the app for you? Introducing Splift, the herb sharing app. You search for nearby fellow Splifters and provide the strain and the smoking apparatus you want. And our van will show up to gallivant you around town while you get blown. Download the app now. We're rolling up to your city soon. Spliff, because your friends are lame, not you. And we're back. Spliff. <laughs> okay, so we're... Why? <laughs> hey, and, man. And, and why are we so desperate? <laughs> hey, there's something out there for everybody. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, we had Boobler. We have Splift. What, what's the what's next? I don't know. I heard that those guys at Splift, uh, they, after they dropped you off, they give you all the things you need to get back. I think they give you, they have like eye drops and cologne. It's kind of like when you walk into the bathroom at a club, they have all of that stuff. So so it's literally the same as Boobler, but, <laughs> but instead of a shower, it's weed. Hey, Hey man, sometimes you gotta have competition, and you know whoever signs up for it, that's who we put on the show. Okay, well that's fine with me. You know what's not fine? Apparently, Arizona NCAA basketball <laughs> is under even more investigation. So if you have not heard, they've been under investigation for practically three to five years yeah uh over and over again it seems like every year they just get hit with another accusation another investigation and apparently this guy is paying players and doing all sorts of weird shady things what do you think i mean i mean he keeps saying he's never knowingly violated it keyword in there knowingly. knowingly i'm never knowingly I've just randomly hired people that did it for me. And I just didn't ever knew they did it for me. <laughs> yeah, I hired I hired mafia men to pay young players to play for me, but I never knew I did it. <laughs> it's literally the same. It's thing. it's amazing the things that people tell themselves to sound like they're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, these coaches make tons of money. Like, I mean, if you look at football, college football, I mean, some of the people are making like ten million dollars a year. And I mean, oh my god! So of course they're gonna do anything to like what they're gonna break off a hundred grand out of their million dollar contract that's totally doable <laughs> and like what and then they're gonna get it back if the player goes pro and it's because the player's probably gonna you know repay i mean that's usually been the like you go on espn 30 for 30 there's tons of stories about fraud and scandals and like gangsters playing you know remember reggie playing. bush gave back his his heisman and shit well, yeah. I mean, so, he didn't want to, but he had to. Yeah. Yeah. It don't matter if you want to or not. Once they catch you and you get wrapped up in that crazy shit, then they come for your ass. And they still won't give it to him. So he went for that Kim Kardashian's ass and they came for his ass. So it all balances. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't need no. Okay, so next off, we have the Buccaneers sign Antonio Brown to a one-year deal. Tom Brady finally gets to play with Antonio Brown. He's got, like, all this other stuff going on there in Tampa. What do you think? <sighs> My thoughts on it is when I first saw that, and I was like, huh, 
He's over there with Tom Brady on the Bucks. He's got another chance. What is he going to do to fuck it up this time? Yeah, he's going to buy some some gummies and throw them at somebody. <laughs> Did you see that video? Oh, God. Ooh, or he, he had soup like uh, J.R. Smith and throw it at yeah. somebody. <laughs> some popcorn like Torello's. <laughs> Dang, so people just throw stuff at people. Yeah, once you become like a famous wide receiver, you just have to throw shit at people. <laughs> <laughs> like Andre Johnson was throwing this haymaker. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> throwing hands out there. So. <laughs> so I guess that's just what you got to do for Antonio Brown. It's throwing THC gummies at your family. <laughs> Some grandmother, a nice sweet grandmother who wakes up every Sunday morning and makes muffins for her whole family. Antonio <laughs> Brown's gonna come in and just throw everything at her face. <laughs> well, that kind of ruins all hopes of the Texans signing Antonio Brown. So what do you think of the one in five Houston Texans? I think they could be a lot worse than they are. If they had signed Antonio Brown, that probably would have been bad too. <laughs> but you knew they weren't gonna do that. They know they don't they don't give in to that uh toxic culture or if you look like otherwise Earl Thomas would be there. Yeah, they they look good on offense now that O'Brien is gone. They got uh, Deshaun going at full potential. They were a dumbass mistake away from winning. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. We don't know that. I mean, the, the, it, they could have lost no matter what. But at the end of the day, they definitely had the chance to win, and they didn't do it. They didn't control their destiny. You're supposed to control your destiny. The, Titan, the Titans are just scary good. They, their defense isn't as nice as we thought, but their offense is definitely nicer than we thought. So it, it's going to work out for them. They're going to win the division. So, it, But like I said, if Watson gets there, uh, you know, then there's a potential for Watson to get MVP if he can get to, to the playoffs. So speaking of those Bucks, they're playing the Raiders, whose almost entire offensive line ended up testing positive for COVID and shit. So. Yeah, we have every all these teams are testing positive. I'm, I'm just glad that the Texans are doing something right. <laughs> they ended up pushing their game was supposed to be the nighttime, the Sunday nighter, so they ended up pushing that up to 3.05 and then pushing the Seattle Arizona game to the nighttime game just in case. And I'm so they're just swapping everything around. Yeah, fuck with the flex rule. We're say. just gonna just, wait twelve hours and we're all good. <laughs> yeah, they gotta test them again, and if they test uh, negative again, I mean, if they test negative before this game, then they'd be able to play. But if they test positive, there's no telling what's gonna happen. They might cancel another game or push it again to Tuesday or double Monday or maybe we'll get some Wednesday football. It'd be awesome to get some Wednesday. Like, okay, so this is how you got to do it. You got to have Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, fuck Thursday night, no Thursday night, (laughs) Friday night, night Saturday night, Monday Sunday night, and then you just keep doing that. Rinse, lather, repeat, except for Thursdays. (laughs) So with COVID threatening the end of the season, let's go ahead and do our early end of the year awards for all of the NFL players. So first award we have is most valuable player. What you got? So far, I'm looking at Russell Wilson. Uh, He has 19 touchdowns and three interceptions, 73% completion, uh, 8.9 yards averaging. He has... Is it 1,500 yards right now? 
I mean, he's leading his team. I think they're leading the NFC West. I mean, what more can you ask? He's looking good out there throwing the ball all around. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think it comes down to to Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. I think they're both playing lights out in a way that really is going to put... I mean, I think in the AFC, it's all but said but done. I mean, it's looking like the Chiefs are going to yeah. win. It, no one else in the AFC is even close. It looked like maybe the Bills could do it. Maybe the Raiders. I doubt it, though. They... I mean, maybe they looked good against the Chiefs, but they didn't look that good against everybody else. So it's like Titans, they could they could make some noise. So we're looking at Chiefs, Titans, and Raiders, Bills, maybe for the top. But let's be honest, it's Kansas City. (laughs) Uh, But over there in the NFC, we're definitely looking at like two two like competitors in Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I think uh, you know we might see a co MVP this year. Oh, that'd be nice. So next, next we have offensive player of the year. I have honestly, it it comes down to two players in the same di- division. I think Derek Henry or Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. For this point, I think either of them are just as good and valuable for their teams. I mean, you saw Derrick Henry against the Texans, but you also saw Deshaun Watson against the Titans. Mm, that's yeah. I was looking at either Deshaun, but I was also thinking maybe Stefan Diggs. I like what they're doing out there in Buffalo, and him being there is a whole big deal. It's definitely stepped up the offense. It's changed, it's changed Buffalo from. Josh Allen trying to do everything himself to Josh Allen actually being able to throw balls. Yeah, yep. So we got defensive. Uh, we have defensive player of the year. Uh, despite the record and all what I'm seeing and all the what I'm looking at, like Blake Martinez on the Giants. Yeah, I mean that's. You look at a guy that can just do anything. The he was on the Green Bay Packers before. And they let him go, mm-hmm. and now he's uh, he's pretty much the centerpiece there of the Giants' defense. Very good player. Uh, I have a rookie for my defensive player of the year. I know it's going to sound kind of crazy, but I like Kenneth Murray because he's really mm. he's really shored up that linebacking position for them. If the Chargers can go to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback that no one liked other than the Chargers. I think it's going to be a lot to do with their other rookie that really brought the we- the weakness of the Chargers in the past has always been linebacker. And so if a rookie can win defensive player of the year, that'd be great. But if not, then I'm thinking Stefan Gilmore. Hmm. What about for coach? Same, with Aaron Rodgers, you got to give it to the same coach, Matt LaFleur. I mean, he's really built a masterpiece of offense. Even without Aaron Jones, they have a real good chance of just absolutely destroying the Texans. And I'm just going to go with Andy Reid, man. It's, it's Andy Reid. Just keep it going. <laughs> just, just keep it going. Yeah, he's a good co- he's a good coach. He's deserved a lot. Um, I think a lot of it now, it might be Eric Bieniemy. So if he gets hired... By the Texans or someone else, uh, we'll see who truly is the better coach. But Andy Reid's a solid pick. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I have uh, Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. He's absolutely dominated pretty much every game he's played. And I don't really see anybody else that stands in his way other than maybe Joe Burrow. 
I'm looking at Justin Herbert from the um the Chargers. I almost said San Diego. Yeah. Los Angeles Chargers. Still getting used to that. Um I'm liking what he's doing out there. Um he had yeah. a lot of pressure on him to be the one after uh, Phillip, but it's looking good out there. I mean, yeah. they've had injuries, and he still made it work. So he's he's out there slinging. We'll see what next year brings. Yeah. But honestly, I think uh, between Jonathan or Taylor, Justin Hubert or Joe Burrow, those are solid three picks. And then I think was it for defensive rookie? So we have a hometown hero for defensive rookie of the year <laughs> from the Woodlands, Texas. We have Antoine Winfield Jr. of the Buccaneers. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with you on that one. Absolutely beast in the secondary, slot defender, safety, cornerback, all-around player. He's getting sacks, forced fumbles, like all, all over the place. Uh, it's really exciting to see... Uh, someone close to home really doing it well for us. And for comeback of player of the year right now, I'm going for Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben. What he's going got going over going over there with the Steelers, man, they're they're in a good position. I don't like the Steelers, but I do like Big Ben. Yeah, it was obvious last year that he was the he was the glue to the team. As good as uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown, everyone has been for them. It's really been Big Ben that put it together. I think the only other player that can even come close to Big Ben is J.J. Watt, but it it would take a miracle for that to happen. So (laughs) I think Big Ben all the way. Yeah. All right. No, we have one more special event. Oh, Canterbury Tales, I forgot. Because we keep forgetting every single week. We try to end the show, and then it's like, no, wait, hold on. We're too short. We need something more. And so today, we're going to do five scary movies. Not necessarily the top five scary movies, but the five scary movies that we came up with. Something you can watch before Halloween, which comes up in uh, about about a week. Yeah, why not? We'll give you some last-minute shit. (laughs) So, let's see. Drag Me to Hell. You ever saw that movie before? No, I haven't. What's that about? Although I wish it could be creepy. I mean, it's an unrated version of it. Yeah. But what it is, is there's this this lady, and she gets a job at a bank as, like, a loan officer. So, this older woman comes in, and she's behind on her mortgage. So to look cool yeah. for everybody, she's tough. And it's like, no, I'm not going to give you an extension. So the lady's like, I'm going to lose everything. Please, please. So she's like, no. So the lady grabs her hand and says she's going to put a curse on her. Oh, God. And then... <laughs> so is that that's where the whole title... That's, yeah, okay, yeah so. she'll put a curse on her. And then, like, at some point... It's, it's like whatever the curse she put, demons and shit are gonna grab her and bring a snatch oh her off the hell. God, that sounds terrifying. Like that Rick and Morty episode where the dude's trying to like die by Rick, but he like <laughs> commits suicide and gets dragged down into like demon hell. Yeah, that's hardcore. See, so it's that's that's scary. And the idea and the stuff that happens there in between. Like after after that, and trying to reconcile and figure all that other shit out, it's it, it can get scary and creepy. So that's on there. And then what's next? So number four, we have uh, a classic, Nightmare on Elm Street. The classic one, the original one, not the remake one where they made it hard 
to like Freddy because he's a fucking pedophile. How are we gonna? <laughs> why the fuck would you make him be an actual pedophile? The point of the original movie was that there was a bit of innocence to what was going on. Yeah, it's just they they should have made it where he was. They just wanted blood. They were out for blood and killed him anyway. Yeah. So his that's what the point was. He got revenge on all of them to get back at the people who killed him. It wasn't about doing anything weird to the kids. It was about getting them back so that people will remember because they forgot about him. Well, as the time goes on, they just have to escalate things because it's like, how can you, like, what, Nightmare on Elm Street came out, what, 30, 40 years ago? So right. it's like... Four, something like that. Yeah, so anyway, it, or it's like, how can you do better than that? Because, I mean, a dude with, like, like claws scissor thing knife things for hands he's got like a like melted fucked up face he's got the hat like how and he invades your nightmares like how do you top that well that's the thing it's not that hard people have weird fucking dreams all the time (laughs) why can't you just have people come in and be like hey i've had this weird dream one time one time i woke up and i heard my cat talking to me and then it took its face off and then there was my face under there that's scary do that but with freddy the cat takes his (laughs) face off and then there's freddy and he's gonna claw you to death with his fucking cat claws boom and then he says something witty so so it's cat freddy cat freddy and he's like slicing you up he's like stop and he's like i'm gonna preview the whole kitten caboodle and he's like you know like it's not that hard to write this shit man (laughs) 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 so we have another 80s sci-fi thriller with aliens uh i mean the movie when it came out and even today is just it's on another level of scary just because of like you just it's don't the unse- know. it's the unsettling nerve you get because the tension they made it is so much because you know it's gonna happen like even today you know exactly what's gonna happen you know who the monster is you know that Sigourney is gonna win but it doesn't matter because they'd put you in so much anticipation and suspense being claustrophobic feeling being trapped and you feel it you know yeah the aliens movies of today are more like creepy like mind thriller type type of things but the original aliens was truly like a horror Next, we have The Ring. Um, I mean, I guess they say that uh, I hit the Japanese versions, Ringu and Ringu yeah, 2. Yeah, they're, they're scarier. They're, they're intense. See, and um, how many other? There's like another ring, too. There's they probably made like a million rings. But then they made a sequel in like, I don't know how long ago. But the point is, I saw the first one. It didn't scare me that much. I thought the premise was interesting and creepy and stuff. But yeah. it's the aftermath stuff why I wanted it on here. It's because that movie fucked with my mind after yeah, it was over. Like you look at a TV and you're like, oh, I had uh, to no, fucking no. So when I first watched it, I was like, this is nothing. And then I turned the TV off and then I laid down in my bed and turned my back. And I kept feeling like the TV was still on. And it's then gonna creep out at you, and like they're like just dark felt, portals are gonna know. appear, and like little green girls are gonna like pop out of them. 
Is this the ring was Star Trek? <laughs> well, it's like what was the the scary movie where they made fun of it and they just like dropped, oh, yeah. like punched the girl or something like that. <laughs> All of those parody movies about that were terrible. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's a hard movie to parody because it's it's a pretty unique concept, in my opinion. I don't know. I just saw. I just remember seeing. So that TV thing happens, and I was like, you know, I don't, and it kept it kept happening for like hour i couldn't sleep <laughs> so i was like fuck this so i get up i was at home by myself i was like i don't know 14 15 i don't know yeah so i go to the kitchen and lay down i mean i go towards the kitchen and then end up stopping i was like no i'm just gonna lay on the couch so then i sit down on the couch and then lay down and start watching tv now the corner of my eye i saw a little girl walk through the kitchen and then when i saw her like walk across the kitchen when i looked yeah. up she was gone and i was like mm, well, that's enough tv so i like turned it on to something else and then put headphones on and oh uh, it was horrible so that's why that movie was on there it freaked me the fuck out there there's a couple other ones like another one that didn't make the list was it, for me that did that to me was house on the haunted hill oh you see that yeah. where like uh the scary movie parried that one as well uh it's uh I mean, when I when I first watched it, I mean that was like one of the very first horror movies that I was actually afraid of. Like I watched a bunch of other ones, like uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead and like Alpha, like uh, or George Romero and all that kind of stuff. I almost said Alpha Romero. <laughs> yeah, the car horror movie. But anyway, uh, that one was freaky because, I mean, they had, like, decapitated bodies and vats of, like, acid blood. And, like, like and they just had, like, people that were just, like, completely losers. They had, like, no awareness at all. And they were just getting hacked to pieces by just, like, this house that was possessed. And then you had Eddie Murphy. <laughs> the Haunted Mansion. I think I got that movie was awful too. It's such a terrible movie. That was during that dark period of Eddie Murphy films where every one of them just <laughs> fucking off blue ass. <laughs> hey Eddie, do you want money? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can do this movie all day. I can do it all. Day. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the Trading Places is my favorite Eddie Murphy movie, possibly one of my favorite movies of all time. Hmm. Have you seen that movie? I have seen with that uh, Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, it's yeah, classic. That movie, <laughs> that movie is hilarious. <laughs> like that movie, uh, even though it's like forty years old or whatever, it still holds up today. <laughs> An honorable mention for me is Children of the Corn because that's just fucking creepy. Like little kids, dude. The, ritualistically, like ritualistically sacrificing people and adults in their town. So most people they know Children of the Corn from like parodies like South Park and yeah. whatever. But if you actually watch the movie, like the original Children of the Corn movie, and read the original Children of the Corn book, I mean it's. It's next level demented because apparently there's this this girl who can tell the future. And so she's pretty much like, hey, all these kids are going to kill you. And the adults are just like, who cares? And then guess what? They all get killed by the kids Damn. and like the redhead dude who's like a Nazi. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, and he's like Malachi. Ma yeah, Malachi. Malachi is 14 and he's just a mass murderer. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes. And there's so many sequels spawned off from that. And I didn't, you know, they're doing a remake of that, actually. Well, yeah, they've been remaking a lot of of the Stephen King. Like, they made the remake of Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I saw it when I was scrolling through movies. I mean, South Park loves to make fun of Stephen King movies. <laughs> like, the old man who's like, oh, you better not go down the road. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're thinking. You know what you're Don't th- do it. It's <laughs> like, I'm here. We used to buy milk back then. <laughs> or whatever, you know. Like, the, the dude... It literally is in every Stephen King book, <laughs> trying to warn people about so, shit. And then, so you mentioned the original short story. So does it, the original Children of the Corn came from a short story. Yeah. So that's what they're going to follow in this remake, not how the movie went, because they went in another direction. Yeah, they kind of like, they because they brought in the the random family from like, that was just like traveling across yeah, the yeah, country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't supposed to, that was kind of like an add-in. Then kind of to make the movie more relevant, but the original is some really creepy stuff. So let's get we have one more. We guess case more. So it's this is a classic. This goes all the way back in the day. We're talking way way back to the sixties. Uh, or maybe fifties, I forget. I think it's what, think 60, it's 70, 67, something like that, mid sixties. Yeah. We're talking Al- Alfred Hitchcock, the birds. And I think I think now and day it might not necessarily be considered like a scary movie. But back in the day, especially if you read the testimonials from the actors and what Alfred Hitchcock did to them, I mean, it, it's it's an all-encompassing horror movie. Like, not only did is it a horror movie itself, but the production of the movie is a horror movie. Damn. I will say the premise of a bunch of birds not giving a fuck anymore and just attacking everybody sounds pretty scary because birds to me are creepy in the first place. Yeah. And then I just imagine them flying. You know how you have a bunch of pigeons or those like <laughs> crows and blackbirds that fly around or walk around when you go to Walmart or Target or whatever yeah. in the parking lot. I'm like, where the fuck did all these birds come from? And then they never leave. You throw shit at them and just stare at you like, I'm not afraid of that shit. And that shit's creepy and they want to fly at you and take things from you seagulls snatch your ice cream and not your eyeballs (laughs) (laughs) exactly well what was the okay i don't know if you'll know the movie i the name escapes me but apparently there was like some b movie that was like trying to do the birds but it was something it was like it's like there was like a it was a sequel to it was like something the two and it was like this really terrible B movie where they CGI'd in all these birds that just like <laughs> like literally just like started murdering people left and right. Was it the birds too? No, was it the bird? No, I don't think it was the birds too. It was something else. Like maybe was it the birds too? I don't know. It was like some B movie project that we watched in high school, and I just could. I like it was so poorly made, but at the same time, the B new for some reason B movies just have that kind of like je ne sais quoi that makes oh, you yeah. like them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That's that's like it was funny because of it was a B movie, like you know, like uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, and the Garbage <laughs> Day, and all yeah. that. Dude, there's so many good B movies out there that so you think you like that watch. grindhousey type shit yeah but even before that like because that's even more like a movie 
type nowadays at least i'm talking like some shit that's so poorly produced that it looks <laughs> so bad but for some reason it's just written and executed in a way that you're just like it has a charm we really don't have many movies like that so you got to go to youtube to find them yeah all right so now you guys got some movies to check out we're gonna keep trying to do that um maybe we'll give you a bonus one next week since it'll be halloween time we'll give you a super extra special halloween to look at and then you can do that into november since the halloween episode of the simpsons is going to be in november anyway so (laughs) (laughs) all right well do you have anything else to say for next week um do yourself a favor and give a llama a hug today. Yeah, look, hug your llama or lug your hama. <laughs> lug your hama. <laughs> well, from the Sea Barnacle Show, it's me, Switzerland Monroe, and Ripley from the somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Maybe in Houston, maybe not in Houston. Who knows where this place is? In the year 2525, and we in Army Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Todd Sugar Water Jameson back with another question for ya. What issues are important to you? I think veganism because everyone needs to eat vegetables and plants and fruits. And if we all do that, then all the animals in the world will survive. You? Well, we can't do that because if we if we stop eating meat, we'd have millions of cow deaths. We how can we do that to the cows? Be be carnivore. And what about you? What issues are important to you? Scandinavian girls. Um, okay. What about you? What do you think? We gotta abort the cats. We gotta get rid of them. We gotta take them out. We gotta ostracize them. What in the hell does an ostrich have to do with this? Well, I can see that you people are complete morons, so... Thanks for allowing me to be on the show to interview these people. We'll have to try it again next time. Tasha, Tasha, the water.